0: Amen to the message of that song. I want to thank you who have been so faithful in praying for Mark and for our family during this time. And as you know, the tissue surrounding the grafts have accepted it, but we're still, of course, in a rather, um, shall we say, ginger time. <laughs> and uh, next Tuesday, I'll visit the physician again to see how healthy. The graphs are going but I thank you for your faithful prayers and you know also I'm thankful for my daughter Uh, Diana for years did home health care and over the years as I cared for my wife as many of you know was ill for many years Barb's or rather Diana's expertise was such a help and there's no way I could thank God enough for her skill her understanding her innovative solutions to problems so I express thanksgiving to God that has given me this daughter. One morning when Gordon and I were traveling in the Soviet Union, and frankly I've tried to remember exactly where this was, I can't recall. We were either in Russia or Ukraine. It was 1993. And we were standing outside the passenger depot of a, a railroad waiting for some Christians with whom we'd rendezvous. And as we were standing there, suddenly our olfactory nerves were attacked by a horrible stench, turned to see the source, and there was a small woman, looked to be Mongolian. Her hair was stringy and filthy. She was shuffling along as if she were in a daze, The side of her face had been smashed in, not just the tissue, but the bone itself had been crushed. And the stench was horrible. She passed by us and went to the steps of the railroad station and sat down and put a little small receptacle by her side. Bob Love was with us on that trip, and Bob, being a man of action, quickly rushed into the train depot trying to get some food or something to help this woman, but he couldn't speak Russian and accomplished nothing. He went to a policeman and tried to talk to the policeman. The policeman would not give him even the time of day. And he came back frustrated, and then some Christians arrived, and Bob said, we must do something to help this woman. They said, you don't understand. This is mafia. The mafia gives drugs to drug addicts and then they mutilate them in some way that it is quite obvious. Then they take them around to various points of the city and deposit them and they will spend the day and compassionate people drop by and put money in the small pot they had by their side. At the end of the day, mafia comes by in a van, collects all of them, takes the money out of the pot, gives them more drugs. The next day, they do the same thing all over again. That episode stands out in my mind as clearly as if it had happened yesterday, as well as the memory of that stench 20 years ago, but as if it were yesterday. That smell, that stench, that odor was the stink of cruelty, the stink of evil. It was the stench of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan. In recent years, a lot of study has been given to the science of odors and various aromas, their effect upon humans. For instance, it's quite clear that lavender, in a very subtle way, not overwhelmingly, but the subtle scent of lavender is calming. Therefore, those who practice aromatherapy recommend that a very subtle scent of lavender be in the bedroom as a sleep aid. A lot of studies have been done concerning Pheromones, let me ask you, what do you smell like? And you may have taken a bath and you may have put on odorless deodorant, but you are still emanating an aroma, a pheromone. For many years, the study of the animal kingdom and insect kingdom uh, brought this to light how these. Creatures emit a certain odor that attracts a creature of the opposite sex. In recent years, of course, the last 30 at least, it's been known that humans do the same thing. Although it is subliminal, we cannot consciously be aware of the fact that an odor is being emitted or even smelled, but it happens. And that's why... Certain men are attracted to certain women and certain women to certain men and some are repelled because the same pheromone will attract one and repel another. Interesting study, isn't it? What do you smell like? (laughs) Well, when it comes to pheromones, nobody can say for sure. It's interesting in Scripture, aroma often has a very high level of presentation, those of us who spent our early years at least, if not present years in the King James, are acquainted with the expression, a sweet-smelling savor, because that's a term that is consistently used to describe burnt offerings that are put upon the altar, they are said to be a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God. Now, of course, God, not being physical, doesn't have nostrils, but that's metaphor used to describe God's response to the offerings. First time you see that phrase is when uh, Noah and his family and all the animals came off the ark. In the closing verses of Genesis chapter 8, it says that Noah offered a burnt sacrifice, a burnt offering of all the clean animals, ceremonially clean animals, and it was a sweet-smelling savor to God. Forty-three times in the Old Testament you find that expression used with reference to the burnt offerings that were brought before first the tabernacle and then the temple, as people would bring a bull or a goat, and it would be burnt upon the altar, and the the emanating odor was said to be a sweet-smelling savor unto God. It was that, first of all, of course, in the case of Noah, out of gratitude, wasn't it? They had survived the flood. And they were acknowledging, God, you're God, you're in charge, and we express gratitude by this. Now, today, we don't have burnt offerings, unless you make a mistake in the kitchen, but that's not unto God. <laughs> but we still do the same thing Noah did. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13, 15 to 16. Through him let us, speaking of Jesus, it's just talked about the great high priest Jesus, how he's superior to anything in the Old Testament. And then it says, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Notice, that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. In the resurgence of the worship movement, there's often been the emphasis on that first. We bring the sacrifice of praise unto the Lord. You know the song. But equal to that, equal to that is doing good and sharing. Many people are very gifted at spouting with the best of them But their lives are not the walk, it's all talk. Both are important, that we talk the talk and walk the walk, doing good and sharing. We hear the heart of Jesus in that, don't we? And then the sacrifice That was offered before the tabernacle and the temple. This was commanded of God. And sometimes the offering, the burnt offering was an individual coming to God saying I have sinned. And it was atonement. At other times it was the entire nation. And that aroma was pleasing to God because it emphasized an obedient heart. They were obeying. They were doing what God said. But also... It was pleasing to God because it was an act that was restoring a relationship between himself and his people. And you know there is such a sacrifice for us as well. Not a burnt offering, but Jesus Christ upon the cross. Ephesians 5:2, walk in love as Christ, all of you, and gave himself up for us. He gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. The cross of Jesus did not emit any smell that we know of, except perhaps the smell of blood. But just. As that burnt offering upon the altar before the tabernacle and the temple was a sweet-smelling savor to God, metaphorically, the same is true of Jesus upon the cross. A sweet-smelling, fragrant aroma unto God because Hebrews 12.1 tells us that Jesus despised the shame of the cross. He hated becoming sin. But in the garden of Gethsemane, he cried out, Oh God, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But then obediently he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. An act of obedience, but also just like the burnt offering, an act of reconciliation as God is restoring us unto himself. Isn't that a marvelous, incomprehensible thing to think about? You know, I've used the analogy of raking leaves before as we think about the Old Testament sacrifice and the cross of Jesus. Now, throughout most of my life, and I'm sure some of you remember this too, the custom was every fall to rake the leaves off of your lawn into a leaf pile. And every few days, you'd do it again, and the pile would get bigger and bigger and bigger, and you rake the leaves every day until the trees stopped dropping leaves. The children loved the leaf pile. They could play in it. But then one day, after you had finished raking all the leaves for the last time, you put a match to the pile. And it was gone. Can't do that anymore. <laughs> but we used to. And to me that's an analogy of the Old Testament sacrifices. Each time a person came and offered a burnt offering. To atone for his sins or acknowledge his sin. His need for forgiveness. It was like raking the leaves into the pile. And they were removed but they were still there. And when Jesus went to the cross. A match was put to the pile. And it has been gone forever. For eternity never again to exist God honors the faithful obedience of those and the Old Testament did what he said to do for atonement and then the book of Hebrews more than once tells us that that sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was far greater than anything done with a bull or a goat or the ashes of a heifer one of the passages in which aroma really stands out is 2 Corinthians 2:14 to 17 let me tell you an interesting behind the scenes thing this past week as i've been praying to the lord about what word to bring today it is that passage that came strongly to mind, and so began meditating on it over and over again, and all the truths that were coming out of it, and then Friday morning, I thought I will listen to see what Jim Grinnell preached last Sunday, and this is a text he covered rather extensively, and I thought, dear God in heaven, what do I do? Do I get up and do the same thing he did? Do I find another text? <laughs> But instead, the Lord said, preach this text, but surround it with other things. And that's what we have done so far. Thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? We're not like many, peddlers of God's word. But as men of sincerity, we commission by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Paul presents an interesting metaphor here. And in this passage, he moves the metaphor back and forth like a pendulum. The word rendered that we are led in triumphal procession is the Greek word threambos. Threambos originally was a hymn that was sung to the god Bacchus. Bacchus was the god of of wine and revelry. And the worshippers of Bacchus would have festal processions in which they would sing Phryomboi, which is hymns, plural hymns, to Bacchus. And in time the term came to evolve to mean any kind of a festal procession. And then in time it evolved to mean only those triumphal processions that are successful general or Caesar had when he came home from a successful military campaign. The Latins took the term triumphos and from it came triumph. And we have today the word triumph. You can see the evolution of sound there. What is Paul talking about? In a triumphal the victorious general or victorious Caesar would lead a procession through the streets. He would be in a chariot or a cart, not always a chariot, sometimes a cart, that was well, well covered with beautiful objects. To the back of the chariot or cart, a chain would be attached. And there would be a group of captives in a chain gang that would follow along, sometimes dragged along behind that cart or chariot. In his triumphal, there would be all kinds of loot that had been obtained through his successful campaign. If he had been in an area where they had exotic beasts, some of those would be in the parade as well. If there were a king or some ruler of note that had been conquered, he would be in the processional, usually arrayed in as a monarch to show the greatness of the man that this general or Caesar had conquered. It was a parade of captives. And as they proceeded through the street, Plutarch, describing this, says that every temple, to use his language, was full of fumigations. (laughs) In other words, what he is saying, incense was burned, it filled the air. The aroma of incense surrounded this entourage as it moved through the street. J.W. McGarvey describes a triumph in which there was a priest walking at the head, swinging a censer that was emanating the aroma of incense. Incense, the aroma filled the air. To some of those who were in that procession, that aroma was the aroma of death. Because when they reached the steps of the capital, many, many, many of them were going to be slaughtered in honor of the surviving king or general. It was the aroma of death. Others, however when they reached the capital steps were going to be released and given freedom and life to those, the aroma of that incense was the aroma of life. Isn't that a tremendous metaphor that Paul presents here? And then notice what he says. We are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. That is one of the metaphors that he uses. One of the aromas that they presented. And he previously he's talked about how they've traveled through Macedonia and all these places, led by Christ and Christ triumphal. And every place they have gone, they have preached the gospel. And he said, the King James uses the word, we did not corrupt it. The Greek word can really refers to someone who is hawking something or peddling something and doing it for profit and sometimes cheating a little bit. For example, the wine merchant, if he had a liter of wine, he would put some water in it so he'd sell a liter and a half. That's what Paul is talking about. We didn't corrupt. We didn't change. We accurately presented the gospel exactly as Christ gave it to us. And for some, it was the aroma of life. They said, yes, heaven and eternity with Christ is theirs. But for others, they said, no, it was the aroma of death and they're damned to hell for eternity. It was the aroma of life to some. The aroma... Of death to others I pray that when I stand before God and someday he will audit every teaching I have given and every sermon I preached for as James says let not many of you be teachers for we shall of course undergo the double judgment I I pray that God can look at what I have done and say there is no record of your ever knowingly (laughs) adjusting anything I've said, knowingly (laughs) making something fit the ears of hearers because they didn't like the truth, whether anybody has ever accepted it or not. Dear God, I pray that you will approve of what has come from my lips. That should be the prayer of all of us. All of us, let us be faithful and careful to present exactly what God has said. And Paul said, when you do that, it'll be life to some, death to others. I find over the years of walking with our Lord that so often it has been a life of grief. From time to time I go upstairs to the basic room to pray. And here's this window that opens to the south. Here's the Mexican restaurant. Here are the houses. You see people on the street and i pray oh god what can we do about all of those damned souls that don't know jesus on the corner of second and zunas there's a house the different ones have inhabited at one time some of you remember there were gang members there one time after basic one of the young men Coming out of basic hat on a shirt that was the color of the opposing gang and so these gang members came over to confront him. <laughs> now, thank God they're gone. I guess thank God they're gone. But now there's a family there. A while back they had trouble starting their car, a young woman came over and said, Can you help us? And I went over and helped them start the car, and there was an older woman there, and the young man's boyfriend or husband, I don't know which he was, he didn't like me. He wanted me out of the way. <laughs> But we got the car started. Yesterday, during all-day prayer, I often found myself at that back door looking across the street at that house. Ah, they have all the Halloween decorations out two men sitting on the porch, another guy roared up in a loud car, children playing kickball on the parking lot. Lord, what can we do? Is there any way we can get into that home and give them the gospel of Jesus? I cannot avoid the grief I feel over the people that live in the houses that surround this building that are going to hell. And I don't know how to touch them. For many years I did a lot of door-to-door evangelism. My goal was to knock on 30 doors a week. Didn't have much results, but tried. Today, if you go knock on the door, people are mad because you've interrupted their television. (laughs) What do we do? 1981 at TCF, we went among the neighborhood, a whole bunch of us, knocking on doors. What do you have we can pray for? Can we help you? And different members of the neighborhood gave us things to pray about. I remember the Bells adopted one elderly woman and began to look after her and take her to the grocery store and and I remember one home in which we replaced spring, uh, screen doors and and that sort of thing. But that was a different day. It was a different neighborhood. People rarely lived here, more than six months in this neighborhood. I remember one particular family, Julie Matthews and Jim Curtis, had a neighborhood children's ministry going. And, and I can recall one particular child who was a real problem, and Julie went to their home, And the woman said, we're getting ready to move. My husband's in prison. We don't want him to know where we live, so we're getting out of here before he finds us. That was that neighborhood, but it's a different neighborhood now. It's a settled neighborhood. What does God want us to do? Here we come into this cube every Sunday, and we're a well-oiled machine in this cube But what do we do about the radius of a half mile around this building? I'm praying for God to show us what to do. We meet and we pray for God and the health of the body, bring people in. My prayer consistently is, oh God, let us see the lost. Let us... No, the angels are rejoicing because week after week people are confessing the name of Jesus. Get the floor so wet from baptizing folks, we'd have to move this stuff out of the way. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> but it would sure disrupt our well-oiled machine, wouldn't it? I hear the heart of Paul. I hear the heart of Jesus. And I've learned over the years because I see a need and have a burden to not move on until God says move. But I'm asking God to show us what to do in his strategy as a church. I'm also asking God to put upon your hearts the burden he's put on mine. That we cannot complacently come to this building Sunday after Sunday as if the world out there didn't exist. We pay money and send missionaries, and it's awful easy to pay somebody else to do something. Will you join me in praying about that? That God would show us, that we would not <laughs> impulsively rush out and do something on our own. That'll bring disaster. But what is God saying? Wouldn't it be wonderful if that sweet, you notice Paul says we are the aroma of Christ in one passage and when the offering was put upon the altar and burned it produced an aroma and the sacrifice of Jesus the aroma that's producing is you it is I all of us who are the results of that sacrifice we are that pleasing aroma unto God wouldn't it be beautiful if that aroma would arise with such intensity from this neighborhood because the name of Jesus is being confessed and people are entering the kingdom. I don't know what to do about it right now (laughs) other than pray and perhaps admit some of my own cowardice. I have to be honest. What's the will of God? We're not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. Father, let your will be known to us. Let us know your priorities, that in that day when we stand before you, we will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name.